Hey, hey, Elimination Chamber 2015 podcast. Uh, this is Keith of Jason and Keith's Wrestling Podcast, Markomania. So, Jason is on the other side of the country because he's getting married this weekend, so he's not around and uh, is going to watch the Elimination Chamber with my friend Mike, but he's in Montreal. Nobody's around, bro, so I just had to watch it by myself. First off, uh, I want to say, though, yesterday at Superkicked, our local Toronto indie wrestling promotion. Uh, Jason didn't get to go because, again, he's in Nova Scotia. We were going to record a little podcast about it. as like a weird wedding present or something to tell him what happened to Superkicked. But it was rainy and shit, and uh, we didn't do that. But uh, just real briefly, man, it was, it was fucking cool. Like It was just a good show all around, real solid. But uh, there's these balconies. If you look up Superkicked, apostrophe D on YouTube or whatever you can find videos. It's this really cool venue where there's a balcony. And ever since the first time I was there, I always thought like, oh, someone should fucking leap from the balcony. That would be so cool. From the balcony to the ring, like that would be fucking amazing. At yesterday's show, I almost missed it. Somehow I just, my mind was wandering or I was focusing on something else. Maybe I was texting somebody, I don't know. So I didn't see all the setup to this as much as everyone else, but I look up and dude fucking, I don't even know his name, he jumped from the balcony to the floor, not even to the ring, it was fucking awesome, it was so fucking cool, right into the place where the VIP chairs are, which, it's weird to get the VIP chairs, because they get just like a bowling ball, like bowling pin, just like, ping, so long chairs, (laughs) so those chairs, they were pretty fucked already, after that, they were done. Yeah, that was awesome. And then the main event was our local champ guy, Ashley Six, against Abyss for the title. And you're like, well, that's cool. But, uh, you know, obviously Abyss can't win because he's not from here. But Abyss beat the fucking shit out of him. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't totally one-sided. But, dude, like, in real life, when you see some of these guys, like, Abyss is huge. He is so fucking big. He's, like, three Ashley Sixes. And actually, Six isn't little, he's a wrestler. Abyss, though, he's just giant. And yeah, between fucking going through tables and a fucking bat with, a, with nails in it and crazy run-ins and fucked up shit and Ashley Six gotten slammed into a bunch of thumbtacks. He hit this one thumbtack just like stuck in the back of his head. And Abyss pinned that motherfucker and won. It was fucking, it was cool. But uh, there's been a few times when there's been a WWE pay-per-view the same weekend as a Super Kicked show, and the pay-per-view never lives up to the live show. Because, like, live wrestling is just awesome, and especially Super Kicked is, like, really awesome, because it's, it's just got this awesome vibe. It's not like, a, you know, the high school gym-style indie wrestling. It's way more like a, like a rock show, like a punk show. But I gotta say, man, this fucking Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, I am really digging this shit. This is like, I guess it's the first pay-per-view that is WWE Network only. And they really are pulling out the stops. They're just like, like, come on, if you're not gonna give us $10 at this point, like, what the fuck is the matter with you? How is this not worth $10? Yeah, it's fucking cool. So let me just go through uh, whatever fucking thoughts that I had in a relatively timely fashion. So first up, the Elimination Chamber tag title match. 
So I haven't seen an Elimination Chamber match since the early 2000s. I probably only saw the first couple of Elimination Chambers, and then that's when I sort of stopped watching wrestling for 10 or so years. Apparently there have been 20 Elimination Chamber matches, I think Michael Cole said. So they're not exactly a rare event, but in the year and a half or so since I've been back into wrestling, they have not done any. So, uh, and this is the first time they've done a tag one. And we were really unclear on the rules initially. It's like, so how does this work? I guess you don't have to do tag people or is everyone just crammed in their pods? What, what's going on? And yeah, it turns out everyone is just crammed in their pods and you don't have to tag anybody. But as soon as someone from your team loses, your team's gone. And yeah, I don't know, it was bananas. As I record this, uh, I took a little midway break after Owen Cena to record my thoughts on the first half of this show. I really don't know how the uh, other Elimination Chamber match is going to live up to this tag match because it was just good. Just a lot of crazy shit. Super cool. And I think my favorite part was just when Cesaro got released from his pod and uh, it was just Cesaro fucking uppercut mania. It was ridiculous. He uppercutted somebody into a suplex from Tyson Kidd. He did a, a leaping uppercut to the back of one of the Ascension douchebags' heads while the guy was uh, on the corner turnbuckle. They did like a Dudley Death Drop sort of spot, but instead of into a diamond cutter thing, it was into an uppercut. And then Cesaro did a top rope uppercut to Callisto, who was hanging out on top of one of the pods. And that's not even all the uppercuts. Those are just the ones I wrote down. <laughs> millions of uppercuts, millions of uppercuts. Which, speaking of, man, I love how Titus O'Neil just tosses motherfuckers. Like, he's just holding them, and he just throws them away after he fucking does a backbreaker or something. He's like, I'm done with you. So long, fucker. I noticed a weird thing, though, with Titus O'Neil where, uh, you know, they always say with wrestling, it's best to let your opponent take their own bump. Like, I remember Jericho describing, uh, as a match with Shawn Michaels that I didn't see. There's these things about, like, mostly I'm kind of glad I took a break from wrestling, because I think it helps me like it a lot more right now, <laughs> but, but there's those things that I wish I had seen more of. I wish I had seen more CM Punk. I wish I had seen the uh, Jericho heel run. But yeah, like Jericho was describing this thing where he had to put Shawn Michaels' head through a, you know, piece of glass. So it's like you run him toward, but then you let go at the end, and basically let, you gotta let Shawn Michaels, like, smash his own head through the glass. <laughs> like, you don't actually do it, you know? You let the other guy take his own bump. So that was kind of going on here, but it was weird because they were pushing Titus O'Neil's head through the uh, chains of the Elimination Chamber. But it was just Titus O'Neil putting his own head <laughs> through, these, through these chains. It's like, Titus, buddy, why are you putting your own head <laughs> through? That's, that's not going to help you. There's no way that can help you. It is crazy, too, at a point where like there's so many people in this match just doing crazy shit and climbing up on the cage and leaping down and just bashing the shit out of themselves. Like, the Elimination Chamber is really weird. Like, it's really unnecessarily brutal. <laughs> like, oh, when you fall outside the ring here, you fall straight on the steel. And it's like, why? What the fuck? What the fuck, Triple H? Why'd you invent this? It's fucking weird. But uh, I like how um, the guy from the Mountain Goats who just did that album all about wrestlers... He uh, said in an interview, he was talking about how, like, being a wrestler is like being a rock star. It's like being a larger-than-life person. 
if for nothing else, then like you're the kind of person who just wakes up and decides like, you know what? I'm going to be in pain every day for the rest of my life. That's what's going to happen. Like you have to make that decision before you can become a wrestler. So just having that mindset and being that type of person just makes you different from normal people. You know, like it's not just a show. It's not just like a character or like how wrestlers are like superstars or like superheroes or like these characters. Look how strong he is. Look at this cool shit he can do. Like, they really are different kinds of people. They really are, like... Like, you can't fake the damage this job is going to do to you. And this this kind of match, like, it really makes that... That sort of thing really come to the forefront of my mind. Where I'm just like, look at these fuckers. What are they doing to themselves? This is crazy. But I respect it, yo. So I thought the finish to this match was really awesome. It was primetime players and New Day... And uh, Titus O'Neil was holding Xavier Woods. And Big E came in and took out Titus's leg. And it wasn't quite enough for him to go down. So then Kofi comes over and does this like spin kick to uh, fucking Titus's head. And Titus tumbles back like Shadow the Colossus or something. Like he's just like, like he's a hero. Like he's a giant. Like, oh, fuck. Gotta take down Titus. And Xavier Woods falls on top of Titus. And all three New Day pile on and get the, the pin. And it was cool. It was great. Next up, the women's match. Nikki versus Naomi versus Paige. Uh, I really like the women's wrestling in NXT a lot. Not so much in the main roster, but you know, this is like a pretty good matchup. Like, I try. I try to give them my attention, but I do find like my notes still tend to be like a lot dumber. (laughs) Like, I notice dumber stuff because I'm just not really thinking about the match the same way. Like, tonight I noticed that Naomi had real weird hairstyle. It made it look like she had a lot of forehead kind of like how when you see Booker T now versus Booker T 10 years ago, his hairline's way further back. Just the way Naomi's hair was made her her head look like that. It was weird. And I also noticed how the music for each woman got better and better. I don't like Nikki's theme song at all. Just one of those songs that rubs me the wrong way. I'm just like, I just don't like hearing it. Then uh, Naomi's music came on, and it's pretty cool. I'm amazing, but it was about to amaze. You know, not the best song, but it's definitely a lot better. And then Paige's music comes on, and it's just perfect. Like, her music is the fucking best. Which, speaking of Paige, it seems like she's kind of faded into the background a little bit lately, but, but man, she's awesome. She just has that, like, natural kind of charisma that you find in wrestlers sometimes, where they're just so comfortable in the ring. It was just this little moment, but she, like, stuck her tongue out just before she did this fall-away slam, and it's just like awesome. It's just such an awesome little moment. It's like, yeah, man, she fucking knows what she's doing. It's just cool. And I noticed the, uh, the zipper was kind of sticking up on Naomi's trunks. It looks like when your tag is sticking up on the back of your shirt. And it just made me think like, why do clothes have tags like that? I just, I really don't understand. All it can do is embarrass a person when the tag is sticking up. Why aren't the tags sewn into the, the clothes? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. But that's neither here nor there. That's for the tag cast. So, uh, Nikki retains. The belts did not change hands. But I like that. I, uh, I really don't mind when belts stay on one person. I kind of like it. I prefer it. Like, if it ever gets to the point that I can't remember who is a, a champ at, the given, at any given time, that's a terrible, terrible thing. 
like I was looking at uh, the list of ROH champions recently. And there's not that many of them, and they mostly hold the belts for a pretty long time. And I definitely think that's the way it should be. It's like you put a belt on somebody, and, and it stays for quite a long time before it moves. And that's clearly what they're trying to do now with uh, especially the U.S. title and the IC title. So uh, since Daniel Bryan had to drop the IC belt because of his injury, I was thinking about that, about who's going to win this elimination chamber. And like I feel like it just shouldn't be Dolph Ziggler or Bad News Barrett, because I like them both, but they had that thing last year where they just like the belt went back and forth between them like four times. And that's like too fresh in my mind. It's like ruined them for being IC champ to me. Because I can't take it serious. It's like, yeah, you guys win the belt, whatever, who cares? Whereas when it was on Daniel Bryan, or how the US title's on Cena, it's cool. It's like, yeah, that belt's not going anywhere. This is gonna be cool. I was kind of thinking it might be neat to put the IC belt on Rusev, because he's really only lost to Cena, so he could go from his US champ thing to IC and just kind of try to pretend. He's like, ah, whatever, I still have a belt. So Cena beat me, whatever, that didn't even happen. Like, who gives a shit? That might have been cool, but uh, but he got injured. But I guess we'll see what's gonna happen there, because next up, Cena Owens, and uh, it's not coincidence that I took a break after Cena Owens to record some stuff before I watched the second half of the pay-per-view, because like, I kind of don't give a fuck after this, you know? <laughs> I mean, this is the match. Like, this was crazy. Like, I really wondered when and how Owens was going to come up to the main roster. I kind of thought maybe he just wouldn't, because I was like, I don't know that he fits. He is such an indie guy. It's like if indie wrestling was just a person walking around, like that's him. And he fits so well in NXT. I was like, well, maybe he'll just stay as NXT, as the face of NXT, as they try to build that brand. And then the, uh, the John Cena US Open Challenge has been like the coolest thing on Raw ever since it started. And it just got better and better and better every week. Sami Zayn and then fucking... Adrian Neville and then Kevin Owens. Like, I didn't see that coming at all. I was like, what the fuck? That's fucking insane. That's so cool. And then it led up to this match. Just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Kevin Owens is just in, in the mix. And I still was questioning, like, how well is this going to go? How well is this weird indie motherfucker going to work? Especially with the recent real poor track record of NXT people. Everyone who's come up, like all the older NXT people, the Shield and the Wyatts and the, you know, the, even Rusev, that kind of came up before I started watching again. Rusev was like right on the line. I think that's like when I started watching was that Royal Rumble where he debuted. They've all done really well, but everybody since then has just been a disaster. Like just nothing has worked. Well, except Adrian Neville, I guess he's doing good. Maybe I don't have a, a point. <laughs> anyway, I guess, yeah, it just says, like, I, I just hope this works out. The Cena Owens thing is so cool and so unexpected and so, like, how is this happening? Like, no one could have predicted this was going to happen. Not only because it's on a phantom pay-per-view that isn't even a real pay-per-view, <laughs> but just it came so fast and so out of nowhere and, like, so little build, and it's like, holy fuck, like, this is crazy. I don't know how much just super mainstream wrestling fans give a shit but 
for mid-level guys like me that don't know that much about the indies but love NXT, it was fucking amazing. And people that have been following Kevin Steen's whole career, this must be fucking super bonkers. Like, are you kidding? He's fucking fighting John Cena? How did this happen? Where did this... What? <laughs> like, so insane and so awesome. But then the match, it started a little weird to me, and not in the way that you might expect. I was like, man, Cena is not afraid to sell. That guy is selling like crazy. He makes all of Owen's hits look like it's just like bombs exploding. But it was like almost too much. Because Owen's is fucking cool and just it's really awesome, but he's he's not Brock Lesnar, you know? His hits, they just they ain't like that. At least not at the start of a match. Whoa. Helicopter going by. But, like, the whole build-up to this, because it was so quick, was kind of weird. It's like, Owens can just do a pop-up powerbomb, and that's it? John Cena can't move anymore? That seems unlikely. Hey, buddy, airdrop. Drop me some supplies? No? Okay, catch you on the way back. I'm talking to a helicopter. All right. Yeah, like, it's a little weird. It's like, so... So Owens can just destroy Cena for some reason. And then at the start of this match, it was a similar thing of just like every move Owens does is just fucking exploding Cena's face. And it almost felt like, because, you know, obviously wrestling's a work, so it's like almost like a condescending feeling. It's like, like, ah, yeah, okay, okay, indie guy, I'll try to make you look good. I'm going to sell like crazy. I never thought you could sell too much, but you kind of can. It's weird. But then, as the match went on, then it was fine. Like, once once Owens gets fucking, like, gets breathing heavy and he gets, like, sweating and he starts to get that, like, just crazy angry French guy, like, just really fucking flustered and agitated, like, that's when, that's when it works. Like, that's when Owens hits you and you go flying. It's like, yeah, because he's fucking pissed. I feel like the, they should have ramped up to that a little slower, but it's a minor, very minor little thing. Just something weird I noticed. And all the cool, weird moves in this match. All kinds of cool shit. There's one where Owens grabs Cena, like Cena's doing this crossbody thing, and fucking Owens grabs him, and then swings him around behind him and slams him. That was fucking awesome. There's a thing toward the end of the match where uh, they were up on the top ropes, and like it was so fluid how Owens like took what Cena was trying to do and just like converted it into a different move to slam Cena again. But there was a point where, um, that's when I realized I was really getting into the match, is Owens does this cool moonsault where he is on the second rope, he like jumps up and turns 180, goes into an immediate moonsault, he misses that moonsault, and then Cena hits the AA, and I thought to myself, I'm just like, oh no, oh fuck, <laughs> like it's over, Cena's gonna win. And that's when I realized two things, I realized like, first I was invested in this match, because I was like, oh fuck, don't, no, shit, oh good, whew. And that's like when you know a match has got you, when you start just, you just, you're just into it. You're just buying into what's happening. You're not questioning anything anymore. You're not really examining it too deeply. But then once that moment passed, I was like, whew. And I did take a moment to examine it. And uh, what I sort of realized is one of the things people talk about with modern wrestling is the weakening of finishing moves. And they're like, yeah, you know, finishers don't mean what they used to mean because like, you can kick out of three, four, five finishers. Used to be that a finisher was a finisher. You were fucking finished. And they talk about that like it's a bad thing, but I actually way prefer the weakened finishers. You know, they'll say stuff like, oh yeah, each guy has to kick out of the other guy's finisher before the match can start, stuff like that. 
But to me, like, finishers are weird, you know? Like, they didn't necessarily use those back in the day when I was a kid. And it's just one of those things, like, it clearly worked so well for the kind of storytelling that wrestling does, where it's, you know, this little dance between the, the viewer and the performers. We both got to sort of suspend disbelief to make this work. So the finisher's a nice little exclamation point on stuff, like, boom, story's over, bam, there it is. Like a video game or something, like, that's the move. Or it gives, like, structure and logic to something that's just made up and weird, you know? But it's kind of weirdly boring, like, depending on the finisher, I guess. But sometimes a finisher is just kind of a clunky thing that you can't really transition into, especially gracefully. You know, an AA, say. <laughs> and, and it just happens, boom, matches over, hooray. Where once a wrestler progresses through the years long enough that their finisher doesn't work anymore, you know, or their finisher weakens, like, as the years go by. It's cool because then it has to, it has to flow. It has to be something like this, where Owens missed a moonsault, a big, crazy, cool moonsault that went straight into Cena's finisher, and it's those two things, the one-two punch. It's like, oh, fuck, like, that could be it. This could be it for Owens, and that would make sense. Because he didn't just take an AA, he took an AA while in this extra weakened position because he went for a big cool move and fucking failed. And to me that's way better, that's way more interesting. I like that finishers don't work anymore, that you need something else to lead into your finisher before it's gonna work. Oh, and then Owens teased his package pile driver. That was fucking so awesome. He just sets it up. And again, like, I didn't really know Kevin Steen much in the indies. I watched uh, a lot of his, like, road diary videos that he did on YouTube. But this is all playing catch-up, you know? It's like, I didn't really know him at the time. I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. So, you know, I just tried to do a quick little, like, who is this guy? So I, I became pretty familiar with the package pile driver which is just like a weird kind of dangerous move that they don't want to do in WWE. But he set Cena up for it, and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And then it turns into this, like, what do you call that, like a sidewalk slam? I'm always amazed when I fucking, a name of a move comes out of my face, and then I check, and it's the right move. <laughs> like with Paige and the fallaway slam. I looked it up, and I was like, hey, that is a fallaway slam. I knew the name. Sweet. Doesn't happen that often, but, uh, then Cena did his springboard stunner, and dude, that thing is heat-seeking. Like, Owens was really far away, and kind of at a little bit of a weird angle, but Cena just looks back and bzzzt. Heat-seeks over, bam, hits it, and I remember after that happened, I was just like, you know what, this is alright. Like, this match has been long, it's been amazing, all this cool shit happened. I feel like it's okay now for Cena to win. Like, Owens gave it his best, but... You know, Cena's got to win, and uh, both guys put in enough time, and it was a really cool match, and that's one thing I like about longer matches, like, as you get deeper and deeper into a match, it just, everything means more, you know, it just like, becomes more meaningful, just because of the amount of time invested, and that's just a cool feeling, it's a little bit tough sometimes, especially in this super fast wrestling world we're in, where everything moves so quickly, that if I can build up to a pay-per-view, is two goddamn weeks, and I don't even know how long this match was, 25 minutes? Maybe not even that long, but it felt pretty long, and in a good way, and it's like, yeah. So at that point, I was like, that's okay, man, Cena, you did it. You put over Owens well, he looks good, everyone got in a bunch of cool shit, now you're allowed to win. But, Owens gets the pop-up powerbomb, 
and gets a clean win over John Cena. I was like, are you kidding? What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, how? I did not expect that ever to happen. That was so fucking insane. Like, it was already, I was fully pleased with that match. Just so happy with the whole thing. Happy about how Owens came up to Raw and just how good he looked and how... Just they're not treating him like some indie douchebag or even an NXT douchebag. He's just like, he's a badass. And Owens really is good, man. Like, you really can tell that guy's been wrestling his whole life. Like, like just to see him, he's just, you know, he doesn't seem that intimidating. I'm sure it's another case, like, with Abyss. Like, if I met him in real life, I'd be like, what the fuck? This guy's huge. But when you see him on TV, like, he doesn't look like a wrestler wrestler. But he really does know how how to work things in the ring and just I can't really imagine him as a face but as a heel like he's so good he knows what to say he knows how to act he knows he's so good I like that too in interviews and stuff he talks about how he knew if he could just get in front of the right people at WWE like he knew he had what it would take he knew he had what they needed even if they didn't know he knew and I really do like that. I mean, maybe it's not the sensible way to live life. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you should go to school and have backup plans and blah, blah, blah. But as a guy who did not go to school and does not have backup plans, it's like, fuck that, man. Like, know what you want to do. Know that you're good enough to do it. And fucking do it. And probably you're going to fail. 99.9% .9 of people are going to fail. But some people are going to make it. And the only reason those people make it is because of that mindset and that belief don't have a backup plan don't have a safety net don't don't give yourself that shit because then you you're not gonna make it <laughs> the worst advice in the world but hey if you don't come to smarkomania for that i don't know what you come here for so yeah that was fucking cool and i can definitely see why people hate cena so much if i'd been watching for the whole past 10 years I'm sure I'd hate him too. I'd hate Randy Orton. I'd hate all these fucking lifers that won't fucking go away. But having just come back in recently, like I feel like Cena is really transitioning to the latter part of his career really well. I mean, like, he's just been fucking great pretty much the whole time I've been watching. Brock Lesnar beat the fucking shit out of him. He put Kevin Owens over clean. He's doing the US challenge thing. He has uh, these fucking really cool matches. Just a fucking cool dude. Not his fault he never turned heel, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Apparently, like, yeah, they talked about trying to turn him heel when he was fighting The Rock. And, uh, he had heel music set up and everything. And I don't know if this is that same song, but there's a song from one of his movies that, like, could conceivably be the heel version of his theme. And it's really awesome. It's all... Hustle. A loyalty. Respect a legend, and they don't want to come and win a hurtle. Anyway, <laughs> it's a lot better than that. Respect a legend, they never kill a woman in the air. This moment happens once in a lifetime. My heart pumping, adrenaline pipeline. Right mind, right brain, right life, right game. Our time, walk talk, never slip, never fall. Cause loyalty, respect. Hey, welcome back to Smarkomania. So it's the next day. 
Basically, man, that Owen Cena match was so good yesterday, I just couldn't get my head back into that pay-per-view at all. I kind of half-watched it, but I was just, like, not giving a shit. The next match was uh, Neville and Bo Dallas, and I love both those guys. I love Neville in the ring, and I just I love Bo Dallas. I feel like I don't know what to do with Bo Dallas. <laughs> like, maybe he's another guy that should just, like, go back to NXT if they make NXT more of a thing. Because I just feel like it's so brilliant. It's like, it's exactly the kind of weird, bizarre wrestling character that I've just always loved, like so counterintuitive and strange. And he's so good at it, even just his little voice. It's just so fucking great. But I don't know what to do with him. I mean, like, obviously they need to transition his character into a character that it's okay that he loses all the time because he ain't coming back. He can't start winning now. It's never going to happen. In NXT, he was the sweet champ, and that's what made him so, like, fucking infuriating or whatever to people. But in, in Raw, he's, he's just lost too many times. It's, you know... I hope something works out for that kid because he's fucking cool. I like him. But, yeah, that match happened. Bo lost. Uh, the, um... Elimination Chamber for the IC belt. From what I hear, it was pretty shitty. The surprise entrant was Mark Henry. Uh, Ryback won. Yeah, okay, sure, why not? Ryback's IC champ now, I guess that's okay. My idea was that maybe it could be Bray Wyatt, and Bray Wyatt could come down and win, but it wasn't. And then the main event, Rollins and Ambrose, by all accounts, was real good. But again, I don't know, it's just like, I just was thinking about Cena and fucking Owens. So Ambrose should have won, but he didn't. Fucking referee shenanigans. I'll get into that in a bit. Ah, uh, so Ambrose stole the belt, as he's wont to do, and ran off. So since I didn't have anything useful to say about the uh, rest of that pay-per-view, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to wait till tomorrow. I'm going to watch Raw, and I'll add some Raw thoughts into this podcast. I started listening recently to uh, OSW Review, the old school wrestling review with Jay Hunter. If you're an eagle-eared listener to this podcast, you'll notice uh, Jason uh, references that podcast once in a while. Name drops it. So I would always kind of keep that in mind. It's like, yeah, I should check that out sometime. I finally did, and it's great. It's these uh, three Irish guys that watch old pay-per-views and shit. And they, like, include the video of all the stuff they're talking about. But a lot of times I just listen to it as a podcast. But it's real good. I recommend it a lot. And they do this a lot because they review older stuff. They'll review the pay-per-view and then add in, like, what happened on Raw the next day. What happened on Nitro the next day. So I decided I'm going to do that. So let me see what notes I had about Raw. Alright, so the main plot of tonight's Raw was that Roman Reigns has to fight 800,000 people to get a spot in the Money in the Bank match. And something I noticed the announcers say that just worried me a little is they really made a point of talking about, like, this Money in the Bank match, it's so important. If you win Money in the Bank, it's almost a certainty that you will become WWE Champion. And I guess there was a time when a lot of these cash-ins worked, but then there seems like there was a pretty significant uh, chunk of them in more recent history that didn't work at all. I remember that was the thing, like I guess Damian Sandow was one of the first people to cash in and not win, 
and then it became a cascade effect of people not winning. But I don't know, I thought it was weird how they brought that up. It just gave me trepidation because where my mind immediately went was, it seems like they're trying to make it real clear that if you win money in the bank, it's like your birthright to become champ, like you're allowed to be champ. And the trail my mind went down is, Roman Reigns is gonna win money in the bank, then he's gonna cash it in and become champion, and it's okay that that happened. So could everyone please not boo for Roman Reigns when he becomes champion, because he's allowed. He's allowed to be champion this time. Yeah, and hopefully I'm just jumping to conclusions, because I think that's why everybody was so pissed, including us, when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble and everybody booed, and we were just like, oh, are you kidding? Because the picture that it painted was like Brock Lesnar was the super monster crazy champ. I mean, he, he beat the Undertaker's streak. He destroyed John Cena. Like, there's just never been anybody that dominant ever that I can think of in wrestling. It's ridiculous. But his contract was, like, up and stuff, and it just seemed like they were going to waste all of that by just giving the belt to Roman Reigns. And that's just too much. Like, I don't really have anything against Roman Reigns. I think a lot of people don't, really. As, like, a lower main eventer, you know, or really high mid-card, real low main event, he's fine. Sure, why not? But if they had given him that, like, that's just fucking bananas. That would be crazy. And there's still that question of, were they gonna, (laughs) you know? If people didn't boo him so fucking hard, would they have tried to pull that? It's weird. It's actually really great how sort of good the main event scene is in general. Because I remember when I watched real heavy in like 2000, 2001. That was a really good era, like before the invasion shit started, like so many great wrestlers. The roster was fucking crazy how many good people were there. But the main event was still weirdly bad and just kind of weirdly boring. It was never the best part of Raw or the pay-per-views or anything. And I feel like they could easily move back in that direction, you know? Like, I guess that's what it's been like all this time where it's just, John Cena versus Randy Orton over and over or whatever. You know, just say Roman Reigns is your champ now. Like, just just some fucking kind of boring shit. And uh, if it is true that the internet fans fucking stop that from happening, I think that's awesome. Like, you know, you shouldn't just kowtow to internet fans, of course. And I actually really came to kind of... I gained a lot of trust in the WWE bookers with WrestleMania 31 because on paper the whole thing seemed really lame. I wasn't really excited at all. I was like, I don't understand any of these feuds. None of these are the logical progression of anything that happened this year. It's just bizarre. But it was great. It was a great show. So I think they generally, like, you know, I generally, I'm I'm in for the ride. I'll do whatever you guys want to do. But you can't have Brock Lesnar drop a belt to Roman Reigns. Like, you just can't. (laughs) And they didn't, so it's all fine. But, you know, that, I feel like that's still in the back of their minds. You know, it's still, like my friend Mike was saying, that uh, his girlfriend bought him a WWE sticker book. as like a joke. And there's just these gigantic, dreamy pictures, gigantic stickers of Roman Reigns' head, you know? Or I heard somewhere, uh, I think it might have been on Hannah Hart's channel, My Drunk Kitchen, where she was talking about, was it her? It was somebody 
not affiliated with wrestling who was talking about being in like Africa or something and seeing kids like a kid in a Roman Reigns shirt, you know, like, like they still want it so bad. They just want Roman Reigns so bad. Anyway, so that's a lot of uh, random speculation about one stupid thing that Michael Cole said. But he just said it with such conviction. It's like, like this is why a lot of times I just, as, when a match starts, I'll put on some music or something. I don't like listening to the commentary because it's like, stop trying to sell me your shit, you know? Stop trying to shovel this nonsense into my throat. I'm already watching your nonsense. It's cool when the commentary can kind of uh, add a new layer to stuff and, uh, you know, add to the relevance and make it seem cooler, but, but not when it's trying to make you believe in dumb shit. Which again, maybe they weren't. I could totally be making that up. But anyway, uh, Roman Reigns beat it up. King Barrett. Who man, I really, man, as the weeks go on more and more, I'm like, being king of the ring is not a bonus. Being king of the ring just means you get to dress up like a dickhead, man. I really like Bad News Barrett, and I don't really like King Barrett. <laughs> he's, he's Bad News Barrett, but as a fucking douchebag. <laughs> it's like, how is that a fucking... Bo Dallas should be fucking king of the ring or something. Like, you should try to trick your opponent into winning king of the ring so he'll walk around like a fucking idiot, <laughs> you know? That's not, that's not something that you want. But next up, Triple H and Stephanie were real pissed. They're real pissed at Roman Reigns because he helped uh, Dean Ambrose at the pay-per-view. So they're like, hey, nice job beating up uh, Barrett, but if you want that spot at Money in the Bank, uh, you got to beat up uh, Mark Henry now. And what was awesome is as they were walking away, Fucking Triple H started singing Mark Henry's music. Somebody gonna get the wig split. <laughs> that was awesome. Because me and all the other wrestling nerds I know, we love just singing wrestling songs in wildly inappropriate times. So, I mean, this was a highly appropriate time. <laughs> but, I don't know, I just thought that was cool. Fucking Triple H, what a mark. Uh, so Ryback came out and was like, Hey, buddy, I'm Intercontinental Champion, look at me. I'm going to fight The Miz. But then Big Show came out and uh, beat up The Miz and said, yo, you're going to beat someone up. You're going to beat me up because you call yourself the big guy. Well, you're not as big as me because I'm the Big Show. And he's right. He is bigger. But who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fuck. I kind of like how Mark Henry, like, they don't use him that often. Or, uh, I don't know, even Kane is a little bit on the back burner. Big Show's been gone for a little while, so that's nice, but it seems like once they get rolling with Big Show, he just won't stop. It's just Big Show everywhere. You want to complain about your Cena's and your fucking Randy Orton's. At least it's not cocksucking Big Show. <laughs> like, for fuck's sake. Dude's been wrestling, like, a real long time. So, so I was thinking how, how it must have been weird at that pay-per-view for Kevin Owens' son, because it was already documented that he is a real big Cena fan. There was like this little video, little Instagram video, when Owens uh, came out to, uh, to interrupt Cena's uh, US Open Challenge. There's a video of Kevin Owens' son kind of going like, whoa, like dad's fighting Cena? What? That's crazy. So I was just thinking how weird that must have been for his son to watch that pay-per-view. And it's like watching your dad, who, you know, is like, he's kind of a 
chubby guy with bad skin beat up Superman. <laughs> you know? Just beat the shit out of a superhero. I was like, man, that must be weird. And then uh, Kevin Owens' whole promo tonight was about that. And I was like, oh, that's the best. That is so cool. And Kevin Owens is like, ah, seeing a corporate machine, fucking bullshit, I'm gonna beat the shit out of him again in two weeks at Money in the Bank and show everybody that this fucking fake-ass scene is a fake-ass fuck. And Cena came out and was like, my catchphrases are not fake. Never give up, it's because I never gave up. And you know who else never gave up? Kevin Owens never gave up. Kevin Owens' fucking catchphrase should not be, fuck your mom, (laughs) or whatever. It should be, never give up. It was a pretty good little promo, pretty good little piece of business, but man, Cena points out a kid in the fucking audience wearing a bunch of Cena gear, holding up a sign that says, I'm fighting cancer or I'm beating cancer. It's like, oh man, that's a low blow, Cena. How can you not get into that? Like, are you kidding? It's fucking insane. I mean, I'm sure it just happened. (laughs) I doubt the kid was a plant or maybe the, uh, camera people like saw the kid and fucking moved him into position but yeah man I don't know what what he's supposed to do when Cena brings up the cancer kid it's like yeah yeah I guess okay I guess you have a place Cena (laughs) like fuck so Kevin Owens did his classic NXT move of it looks like he's gonna fight but he rolls out of the ring instead and is like fuck this gets out of there which was kind of cool that he didn't do that up until this point, he's just like, I'm really gonna fight you, Zena, fuck you, we're fighting. But yeah, now, what has he got to prove? But yeah, pretty cool, man, pretty cool. God damn it, I love that shit. That's where, like, I mean, this is weird, this is just like mythologizing random things that happened in my life, but when I started watching wrestling, it was right after Foley retired. And I was like, oh man, I missed Foley, fuck, like looking back into it and learning about him, I'm like, that was some excellent shit. I can't believe I missed that. But I got to see that whole year 2000 stretch, which as a wrestling nerd, you know, we make up that this shit's important somehow, but that seemed important. Whereas this time, I came in literally right as CM Punk retired. Like, he was, again, it was that Royal Rumble. I think that was it, and then he was out. So I'm like, oh, dude, CM Punk, I guess I missed all this awesome shit. That sucks. But maybe the wrestling gods got me back into wrestling so I could see all this Kevin Owens shit. Because, I mean, I was, like, on the fence with NXT. I was like, yeah, it seems cool. Like, similar to how I feel right now about, uh, like, Lucha Underground and ROH. It's like, yeah, I like this stuff, but there's not a hook there that's enough for me to, like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. I gotta see what's gonna happen. And with NXT, it was the debut of Kevin Owens, man, as soon as he showed up. It's like, ah, fuck, like, look at this guy. Right away, that first match with C.J. Parker, I was like, I like this guy, this is fucking awesome. And it's just been a fucking rocket ship to the moon ever since. It's been bananas. Like, holy fuck, this guy is good at this shit. This is nuts. And he's Canadian, which is cool. Assuming he doesn't murder his whole family, (laughs) that'll continue to be awesome. I gotta say, that Benoit shit, whew. Canada was doing so good on wrestling. Like, yeah, all the coolest wrestlers are from Canada. And then Benoit. It's like, all right, I guess I better cool my jets on how great Canadian wrestlers are, because some of them go crazy. It's the only national pride I had was wrestlers. Other than that, I don't give a fuck about Canada. Canada can suck my dick. But wrestlers, man. 
So also tonight, uh, I missed this, maybe the commentators blabbed about it, but Naomi's gone for some reason, I don't know, out of the picture for whatever reason. Maybe she got hurt at the pay-per-view, I don't know. But Paige rolls up to Nikki and is like, hey, Naomi's out of the picture, so now I want to fight you. And Nikki, I thought this was really cool, is just like, yeah, all right, fuck you then. <laughs> you want to you fight me? Let's do it, let's do it tonight. Fucking suck my tits. Whatever girls say. I thought that was pretty sweet, because, uh, because, like, I love Seth Rollins. He's fucking awesome. But it's a little bit of a shame that his champ character has to be so weaselly and so squirrely and so surrounded by, uh, an entourage. And I guess it's, it's required, because if he was, like, a fighting champ, everyone would love him. He's fucking amazing. Like, whenever, like, that, that they put him into the John Cena... Brock Lesnar match and instead of hurting the match it just made it fucking super awesome like he killed it it was kind of like way back in the invasion days it was like Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold and they just threw RVD in there and RVD was so fucking over that it just was awesome similar to that except Seth Rollins is also just insane in the ring just insane so good so I understand why he has to be as he is but you know, it's, it's a bummer sometimes. It's like, oh, I wish Seth Rollins could just fucking beat the shit out of this jerk, whoever is giving him shit, and not have to be so weaselly. So I thought it was cool that that Nikki Bella isn't weaselly. She's just like, you want to fight? Let's fight. Fuck you then. Fuck you, you know? She's kind of got that vibe of just like hip-hop street chick, like fucking mouthy bitch who's just going to beat you up. But it turns out I was wrong because they have decided for no good reason to bring back the Bella twin magic fucking thing where, because they're twins, they used to do this thing where one of the twins would be fighting and the other one would be hidden under the ring and they'd swap out to have a fresh Bella. But in the meantime, Nikki has uh, gotten pretty sizable implants, breast implants, and done a shit ton of squats. Like, she's just way curvier, whereas Brie is like a, a little boy. <laughs> not really, but I mean, compared to Nikki. But not only that, their hair's the wrong color. This fucking angle makes no sense anymore. It was fucking stupid to begin with, but it really makes no sense now. And Nikki pulls off her twin magic, and it turns out that's why she was so willing to fight Paige, because she knew she had her twin magic in her back pocket if she needed it. But it was the worst. It's like, that's clearly a totally different person. And then the ref sees them frolicking and cheering together after Nikki wins. Like, oh, there's a second twin. And he's like, well, oh well. Whatever. I already said three, I guess. So, psh, not going to DQ or anything. Like, I guess it's over. Whereas the very night before, they went to such lengths to do the swerve ending where it seemed like Dean Ambrose had won the belt. The dusty finish, they call it, but fucking the original ref gets knocked out because Seth Rollins pushed the ref into the way of Dean Ambrose's move. Then Dean Ambrose gets the pin. Second ref comes down and counts that. But then the first ref wakes up and is like, no, no, we got to DQ Seth Rollins because he pushed me. So the belt doesn't change hands. So, you know, Seth Rollins gets fucking rewarded for pushing a ref. Like, it makes no fucking sense. The DQ rule, the no belt changing on DQ... It's just, they've gotten so much mileage out of that. It's such bullshit. I liked how when Kevin Owens won the belt in NXT, he just beat 
Sami Zayn to death and then they just gave him the belt? <laughs> like, it was almost weird that they did. Because usually they're just going so far out of their way not to let things like that happen. It'd be cool if the rule in NXT was you can lose a belt on a DQ. Just to switch it up. But anyway, it was just funny that they went to such lengths for this weird ending of the pay-per-view last night. But today, for the women's match, the guy's like, I don't know, I just want to go home, who cares? <laughs> and really, yeah, it's like, I don't know, fuck this whole division. Fuck it in, it's stupid ass. There's this theory that, like, Nikki Bella's had the belt for six months, and maybe they'll just keep it on her so that she can beat AJ Lee's record for how long a diva's held the belt. Just to kind of stick it to, stick it to her and stick it to CM Punk. And it's like, hey, fuck it, sure, stick it to whoever you want. Ex-employees, whatever, fuck them. <laughs> but not Nikki Bella, not with this bullshit. You've got all these people in NXT that are amazing. Fucking Becky Lynch, oh my god. Just awesome, super beautiful, ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> like, anyway, women's division, you know. I, I, try, I try to give it, uh, give it its due, but man, fuck it. Twin magic. I'm officially done with it. Fuck you, Divas Division. You can, you can fuck off. The NXT stuff, awesome. I'm still all about it. Sometimes I like it better than the men's stuff. But the main roster stuff is fucking ridiculous. All right, show's winding down. Uh, this is where we can really feel these fucking three-hour raws. On that OSW review show, they mentioned that somebody held up a sign at some show, Night of Champions 2014, I think, that said, make Raw four hours. <laughs> and it's like, that's the best fucking, it's the best uh, fucking sign in the world. Because, yeah, three-hour Raws, it's nuts. It's ridiculous. I guess Nitro used to be three hours back in the day. So it's not like an unheard of thing, but it's, it's pretty insane. That's a lot of fucking TV. So yeah, these last couple matches, this is when, you know, I'm just pretty, having a pretty hard time giving a shit. So Sheamus had a big long match with Orton. They were all sweaty and shit, and it looked like they put a lot into it. It's probably a cool match. If it had been earlier in the card, I would have paid attention. It would have been cool. But I was like, whatever, I don't know. Mine's drifting. But I noticed that even after all that, Sheamus's hair stayed standing up. Usually after a big long match, Sheamus's weird mohawk falls down, and it looks way better. But uh, maybe he's learning some secret method. Or maybe that's just how much of a professional Randy Orton is. He can keep his opponent's mohawk from coming down. It's pretty nice. Uh, they announced that uh, Kevin Owens is doing his own NXT Open Challenge on SmackDown. I don't know if that means that only NXT people can come down to try to win the belt, or if it can be anybody. But I guess I gotta watch SmackDown now. It's like, uh, like uh, I would tune in to uh, when Bray Wyatt and... Dean Ambrose had their feud. A lot of that happened on SmackDown. So that would get me tuning in. Mostly SmackDown is really, really worthless. <laughs> like a real waste of time. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of glad I missed most of that brand split. They really stuck with that for a long time. And there's things about it that are cool, but it's just, it's just nice because I don't have to watch SmackDown. And SmackDown, like they've made it aggressively obvious these days that it's a total worthless waste of time. They literally play a match from Raw on SmackDown. Like, they're like, whatever, SmackDown. But occasionally there's a thing like this, so like, I'll watch that for sure. Kevin Owens, <laughs> NXT fucking Open Championship, that's fucking sweet. 
very excited about that. Uh, Bo Dallas rematch with Adrian Neville. Once again, just far too late in the card. Just don't give a fuck anymore. But I do love that Bo Dallas, man. His little voice. Neville, I tried to help you. But now, I just want to hurt you. <laughs> like, the best. Ah, I fucking love him. I love him. I hope they can figure out something for that poor man. I really do. One idea that I heard somewhere is uh, that they could reveal that... Uh, that Sister Abigail is actually Sister Abogail. <laughs> it's actually Bo Dallas in a wig and a rocking chair. No, they shouldn't do that. Of course, that'd be terrible. But uh, Bo loses again. I think Bo should join the, uh, the fucking New Day. I think that'd be cool. They're motivational. He's motivational. But uh, they, they found this one lonely man in a Bo Leave shirt in the crowd. Like, they, even from the wide shot, they're like, there he is. There's the one guy, and then they zoom in on him after Bo loses. And the guy, he just, like, he gestures to his own shirt, and he's just like, fuck. Like, fuck this. This is bullshit. <laughs> but is it, though? Is it? I mean, you wore your Bo Dallas shirt, and you really thought he was going to win. You're lucky he was even there. But I thought that was pretty funny. So the final person of the night that Roman Reigns has to beat to keep his Money in the Bank challenge is Bray Wyatt. Now, I'm on the record as loving the fuck out of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt really is single-handedly the reason I got back into wrestling. There's this guy, uh, Dominique Moshidi, who uh, used to be on the YouTube show Continue, the video game show, and he does a podcast now called Fantasy Fiction, where him and his friend, like, they write these really funny fantasy stories, and it's fucking awesome. And he mentioned on Twitter, he's just like, you know, anyone who hasn't been uh, keeping up with wrestling or is like a lapsed fan, you should really check it out, because Raw's been really good these days. And that was why I tuned in right before the 2014 Royal Rumble. Because I always had one eye on wrestling, and I'd tune in once in a while, or like, oh, The Rock's on tonight, I guess I'll watch that. But there just was, again, not that hook to get me back in, because I'd been out for so long. And yeah, I'd be vaguely aware of stuff, or I remember when that movie The Wrestler came out, it was when I lived in New York. And I went to go see it with the girl I was dating, and she didn't give two fucks about wrestling, despite being from Florida, which <laughs> just feels like a wrestling place. But, uh, but man, like, yeah, my inner Mark just exploded back into life. Like, I just couldn't help it. I knew how annoying I was being during that movie, but the whole time I'm like, oh, this is that guy, or this is this guy. Oh, this is a reference to that, and this is about this. Oh, my fucking Christ, like, blah, 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 blah. And it was just like that wrestling fan inside me was just dying to come back to life. Just dying. But I needed that hook. I needed that reason to give a shit again. And that reason was absolutely Bray Wyatt. Like, Bray Wyatt is... I just can't say enough about him. He's the best. He's the best. He's so good at everything. <laughs> like, I just, I just fucking love him. I've heard people say they, uh, that his promos get long and rambly and stuff. But I don't know, dude. Like... I got a schizophrenic brother, and I probably got some of that myself. Makes total sense to me. When Bray Wyatt talks, I'm like, I feel you, brother. <laughs> like, I know what you're talking about. Sometimes you're just a crazy motherfucker, and all you can do is wrestle it out of you. Take it out on all your wrestling opponents. <laughs> Makes so much sense to me. I love him. But he's got this weird career that it's just like, they never really put the weight 
of the organization behind him, he didn't get to beat Undertaker. He had this weird feud with John Cena. He had this weird feud with Dean Ambrose. He just keeps disappearing for these long stretches. And and it kind of doesn't matter. And I think they know it doesn't matter. It's like, it's okay. People will still like Bray Wyatt or hate Bray Wyatt or whatever they feel about Bray Wyatt. That's the problem, I guess, because there hasn't been steady momentum one way or the other. People just don't feel strongly about Bray Wyatt. Even I don't. Like, I love him. I love him in theory. Every time he's on TV, I'm like, fuck yeah, that's right, Bray Wyatt. I love Bray Wyatt. But when Bray Wyatt's not around, it's like, well, whatever. Like, what does it even matter? And I got to admit, his long promos, like, they get a little long-winded when they happen too often. And they do always kind of tread similar territory. But I feel like Bray Wyatt either should be, he should just always be in the scrum. Just always there, always fighting, always wrestling people, but talk rarely. Or just only show up at very rare times, but win. Just always win. I feel like Bray should just fucking wreck anyone that he wrestles. I think that would be so great. Instead, he's just sort of in the middle, and I don't know what the fuck's going on with him, but he's still technically my fave, and he really is the best. And I feel like you could get away with that kind of shit. You could have Bray Wyatt win all the time, because he's a pretty big guy, and he's great. He's so good in the ring. I just, like, there's those guys like Adrian Neville or Bray Wyatt. Like, they couldn't be more different body types and have more different styles, but that I really love to watch wrestle. Where a lot of guys, it's like, yeah, you know, sure, they're fine, but... But, like, I, I don't skip matches by Bray Wyatt. I always watch him, and they're always amazing. But whatever, he's got a long time ahead of him. Sure, things will go fine for old Bray. But I was thinking, like, fuck, man. Like, Bray can't lose again. He can't lose again. He loses so much. I'm so tired of Bray Wyatt losing. Like, yeah, yeah, I get that it doesn't really matter if he loses, and that's not the kind of character that he is, and he laughs in the face of defeat. But, but he always fucking loses, <laughs> and to lose to a guy who has, on his third match of the night, fucking disgraceful. But, by the time the match, the match went long enough, and the weird interference and stuff, yeah, Bray Wyatt did lose, but I actually felt kind of okay about it. But I really thought, like, Bray could have won, put Bray in the fucking Money in the Bank match, and then just have Roman win his spot back next week, doing some other fucking Roman Reignsy shit. But yeah, I don't know, I feel like maybe that's the problem with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt feels like he's not part of the show. Like, he's not well integrated. He's like his own weird thing. So either he's always off on his own weird thing, and he doesn't get to win belts, and he doesn't get to be in elimination chambers and be part of Money in the Bank, or even win matches. <laughs> but, but if you try to make him part of the show, it does seem like the only way to do it is for him to just just take over, just dominate, just blah. I don't know, he always talks too about his, his ideas for the future of the Wyatt family and like other people that he wants to involve or different stages he wants it to go through. So I don't know, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. But Roman Reigns wins. Dean Ambrose comes down. Ha ha, take that authority, fuck you. Uh, end of the show. All in all, man, wrestling's cool. I sure do like wrestling. <laughs> There's this one moment, because, like, Bray Wyatt is, like, he's the, the laughing. It's okay. It's, like, 
Sometimes it's weird when people laugh instead of selling a move. But with Bray Wyatt, it's okay because he's fucking nuts. It's like, yeah, I'm getting beat up, but I love it. I love getting beat up. Fucking wicked. You think you can hurt me? You can't hurt me. And there was a moment where Roman Reigns did the same thing. (laughs) Bray Wyatt was beating the shit out of him. And Roman Reigns was just laughing and fucking punched Bray Wyatt back. And they're both just laughing. And... It would make no sense at all for Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns to be a tag team, but just for that moment, I was like, imagine though, imagine if they did that, wouldn't that be fucked up? Just these two fucking nutbags. Because <laughs> that's kind of when Roman Reigns is at his best too. When he's just happy to get beat up. Like, I think that's what saved that match with Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It was actually a really cool match, and I think that's a huge reason why. Because Roman Reigns was just like, yeah, do it. Beat me the fuck up. I'm Roman Reigns. I'm tough. And Bray Wyatt's like, I'm Bray Wyatt. I'm crazy. Tough and crazy. That could be their tag name. Awesome. 1995 special right there. All right, so that's it for this episode of Smarkamania. Elimination Chamber 2015 and the ensuing Raw. Thank you for listening. You can find these shows at keithcourage.com. Please don't bother rating and reviewing on iTunes, because fucking iTunes sucks. Stop it with all the iTunes. Why is everyone using iTunes still? I fucking hate iTunes. Fucking quit it. Don't encourage them. (laughs) Rate and review us on iTunes. Fuck iTunes. How about uninstall iTunes? How about that? Yesterday my advice was don't go to college. Today my advice is uninstall iTunes. This is what happens when I do these shows by myself. Things, uh, the advice portion of the show really goes off the rails. And to finish things off, you know, I'd always think about, like, what if I was a wrestler? I mean, every wrestling fan thinks that. Every comic book fan thinks, like, oh, what if I could write comic books? Every comedy fan is like, oh, what if I could be a comedian? Everybody just does this shit all the time. But I was thinking, if I was a wrestler, what would my wrestling theme song be? And it changes all the time, of course, but uh, the most recent one is there's this band called After the Burial. And they have this song called My Frailty. Oh man, it'd be the best. Walking down the fucking ramp to this song, be so good. So I'm going to end with that. And just imagine myself walking to the ring. But you can't just have the music hit, you know? You gotta have that sample, right? That like little catchphrase or something that lets people know that your music's about to hit. Like if I had to come up with one off the top of my head to make maybe something like, ooh, Chavo. 